and welcome to the Q York podcast, brought to you from our local church in the beautiful city of York in the UK. The message you're about to hear is from one of our services, which also feature great live music and relevant movie clips. These can all be found on our blog, so to make sure you're getting the full experience, feel free to head over to qyork.co.uk and select blog to find the relevant content. There's also a huge selection of talks and live music videos on our media page, as well as a donate button if you'd like to show your appreciation and enable us to keep producing free content like this. Finally, to stay up to date on new blogs and events at Q, you can sign up for emails by filling in your name and email address at the bottom of any page on the website. But right now, it's time for the message. Uh, we have a saying often when we're trying to get our thoughts together in the week, when we're like, I've got no idea what to say. And we say, it's only Tuesday, don't worry about it. And then, so this week, it was like, it's only Tuesday, don't worry about it. And then Wednesday, it was like, it's only Wednesday, don't worry about it. I messaged Jenny last night, I was like, it's only Saturday night, don't worry about it. Um, I, I've really struggled this week to, to get things together, and I, I think that's probably good in some ways, because sometimes... When there's something being birthed, it's not always easy, I've heard. Um, and uh, I said that to Jenny this morning, and I was like, oh, this has been a tough birthing process. She was like, well, yeah, that's yet to come. I was like, oh, man, got the trauma left. Um, I hope I can say something that helps you this morning. I hope, uh, I, I doubt it will be anything hugely original, but I think hopefully it will pick some things that we've heard in the past, and it might bring them, revise them, refresh them to you, and hopefully it will help you move forward. So, here goes. Uh, on Friday, I got a call from my neighbour. And my neighbour uh, announced that my wall had fallen over on the front of my house. You can see it kind of should look like it does on the left. Uh, and it had got pulled down uh, by a lovely person from our community. Uh, and is now rubble. Um, it's interesting. It really got me thinking this. Uh, I kind of saw some symbolism in it. I don't think that God pulled my wall down. I know it was a little kid from my community. Uh, but it got me thinking about the walls that we sometimes have in our heads, uh, which is kind of why I used that song. I was thinking, do we have walls in our heads? What are they? Uh, and how do we interact with them? Something that had been built there to keep people out, provide a layer of separation, maybe a bit of safety, a bit of a sense of security, has come tumbling down. Um, Funnily enough, when Amy saw it, she was like, I actually quite like it without it. I think, I think we might take the rest of it down now and just redo the front so that it's a little bit more open. Um, one of the questions that I kind of was bouncing around in my head this week was, what is spiritual growth? Um, and so I had a really good chat with Chris about it. We were bouncing stuff around. Um, what was good is that I went with this question thinking, what is spiritual growth and what is required for me and you to grow spiritually? And in my head I was thinking, I'm going to figure out how to nail spirituality and grow spiritually. I'm going to figure out what are the things that I can tell people so that we can, just, we can pretty much complete spiritual growth. And then we're like, ding, we've got this all mapped out. Um, it turns out I don't think it's as simple as that. You're shaking your head like, yeah, we knew that already. Um, I think there's a paradox about spiritual growth, that growing isn't actually about adding things on. It might actually be about pulling some walls down and taking some things down. Um, 
There might be some things that we never even realize uh, that are there, but I think there are walls that we have built because we felt we needed them, and I think often we don't need them. I think actually things are maybe more well than we think that they are. Actually, I think sometimes we've built walls that we think we need to climb and climb and climb to get somewhere or to keep people out, and I'm not sure whether always we still do. Maybe we did once upon a time, but sometimes there are the reasons for the walls. Now, question from the video. Who would we guess is responsible for the wall in Jamie's head? There's a bit of footage. Any thoughts? You can throw some at me if you want. His dad is the obvious one, isn't it? You look at it and you think, it's clearly an issue. It was his dad. He did the thing. Um, I was thinking about some stories, which I'm going to tell you later, about similar things with some people in my family. My dad was one of them that I felt had been responsible for the walls in my head. And I kind of had a change of thinking recently. Um, I just want to read you some of the lyrics from this. He said, it was something he said. His, wall, his words built a wall inside my head. Just one little thing didn't mean that much to him, but it keeps building and building and building this wall in my head. Just one tiny thought. It started out so small, and the thought made a brick, and the bricks made a wall, and the wall keeps me down, and the wall trips me up. It keeps building and building and building this wall in my head. So, do you have things that might have been said or done to you you just can't get over? Felt to me that that whole song, there was a bit at the end where he says, I keep climbing and climbing, and he's smiling, and then his face just drops, and he's like, climbing and climbing and climbing. And sometimes I think we've built these walls, and sometimes we're like, yes, I'm going to overcome this thing and climb it. And then you're halfway up, and you're like, why am I doing this anyway? I was talking to Charlie about uh, marathon running, because Charlie's been running marathons. Um, and he says sometimes, you're like, set off running, and you're like, why am I doing this anyway? <laughs> this is really painful. I'm just... Running and running, why am I doing this? I think that's an important question to ask ourselves on all of the things that we do, the activities, especially something if you feel you're really striving for it. It's a really important question to ask why. Um, I can't answer that this morning. In fact, I think there's lots of questions I'm going to try and fire out this morning that I don't have any answers to. Um, and if I'm honest, I really struggle with that because I love to have the answers and feel like I've got everything mapped. Um, but one of the things I recognize this week is one of my walls is that I've built this thing that I need to try and keep everybody happy and agree with everybody. Um, part of the strength of that can be I will do my best to try and understand everybody's perspective. The problem with that is that I can then end up not knowing mine and being really convinced of mine because I'm just so aware of what everybody else is and I just keep climbing and climbing this wall. Yeah, <laughs> the problems with walls is that you're either sat on one or you're trapped behind one sometimes. I wonder whether the challenge for us this morning is Rather than climbing the wall, maybe take it down. Maybe it doesn't need to be there in the first place. Um, I think those bricks can make permanent fixtures in our minds. Now, they might have been things that happened years ago, but they've become part of you now, and they trip you up, and you feel like you're spending all sorts of energy climbing them. To get where as well. The things that we feel like we're striving for in our lives, where do we think it's actually going to get us? What if actually we could accept that where we are now might be enough? Or maybe who we are now is enough without the thing that we feel we're striving for. The walls aren't actually real walls, are they? I know that's very obvious. But the walls are in our minds. Now, if they're in our minds, can we deconstruct them? Can they change? Can they be things that we can get rid of, or are we lumbered with them for our whole lives? 
actually, are my actions just kind of predestined by my DNA and all of the things that happened to me in my past? Do I have any free choice at all? Or is it all just determined by all of the things that have happened and the walls I've built in the past? Can we change our minds? I think it's a question worth chatting about because if we can, there are some consequences of that and there might be some good news out of that. Maybe some people you think, well, I don't know whether they can change. Maybe sometimes we've made judgments of people that we think can't change. So I want us to consider the possibility this morning, what if there wasn't that wall that I'd built in my head? Um, Sometimes we believed we needed to become enough, to do enough or to know enough for some people, to give enough or to experience enough, to figure out enough before we were enough. What if we just accepted ourselves as we are? What if we could say, I didn't need to build the wall in the first place? What if there were no wall? So, in the Garden of Eden, we have a creation story. Some of you might be familiar with, some of you not so much. Um, But the story was that there were two trees. And one tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And one tree was the tree of life. Um, I don't know how much you've thought about that. We've talked about it a lot here in the past, but I know some of us are guests and some of us are new. Um, The idea that I think strikes up in me is two ways of seeing the world. We can see one as these opposites, these blacks and whites. We've talked a lot about dualism here. And the dangers of dualism are that we see that there's me and there's you, and we're these very separate entities. Uh, We've seen it with conversations around race and culture. There's us and there's them. Um, You can see it in religion, where we have the ins and the outs. And what struck me from my little garden wall incident is that a fence is literally designed to make us and them, isn't it? Um, Nothing wrong with having a garden fence. Uh, It's quite practical sometimes. Uh, But actually, what it's doing is saying, I'm here, you're there. And I think a lot of what we do with the walls in our minds are about constructing things to say, I need to get there. When I'm there, I'll have made it. Uh, the reason I thought that song was quite useful, because it's like, what if I'm already enough? I need to scramble over this wall. And I think the idea of the tree of life is this idea that what religion does, and Chris really helped me with this week, she said, but religion creates this, this two-way thing. You're either in or you're out. You've either got it or you haven't. And even my idea and approach to spiritual growth was like, well, if we want to get spiritual growth, we need to do X, Y, and Z, and then we'll get there and we've made it. And it's like, actually, life is about saying, I'm going to embrace the whole thing because it's all part of life. The good and the bad, me, you. Actually, there's a oneness in it all. What really helps me sometimes with my interactions with other people, and I was mentioning this to Chris this morning, um, because of some of the walls that I've had in my past, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute, I can sometimes have this... Uh, perception that other people are a threat um, and there can be this inferiority complex that very quickly becomes a superiority complex and if you've ever felt superior to somebody else you'll know that very quickly as soon as for example if I think ah I'm amazing at playing the piano and then I see this other guy who's way better than me I go from thinking whoo I'm amazing to um, completely awful what if we just embrace the whole and just accepted all of those things as part of this tree of life. And we didn't have to say I'm the in or the out or the us or the them. Um, Another thing that we've spoken about before, which I wanted to bring back in, was the idea of brickianity. 
Um, it's something that I think we learned from Rob Bell in a book a while ago, and he was talking about these different ways of approaching life. Now, what Brickianity does is it's all about me having the right angle. Um, and I think some of the walls we build in life, we build out of the bricks of our right angles. Now, we've explored a little bit about personality types in here. I didn't realize I had my earpiece in then. <laughs> I thought everything felt a bit weird. Um, the, the individual personality types, I think, that we have come from sometimes these walls we've bricked out of what we think are the right ways of doing things. It's like, I've got the right angle on things. And Anth helped us with that years ago, about seeing that Brickianity is about the, the right angle. Um, I sometimes feel that if I can get everything right and have the right angle, then I'm kind of going to get to where I need to get to. Uh, the problem with bricks is that uh, they are inflexible. And I think sometimes that's why those walls need to come down. Okay, so I'm going to tell you uh, a couple of little stories about what my personal journey is within all of this idea of these walls. Uh, some of you are going to roll your eyes when I tell you these stories because you'll be like, oh, I've heard this one a million times. Yeah, I apologize. Um, so when I was about uh, six years old, I started playing the piano. I'd experimented with recorder and then advanced to piano. Um, uh, my sister was a piano player, so she was my like, oh yeah, I'm going to become like her. Um, so one day I'm there like practicing away and I heard my dad walk past with somebody um, and the guy said to him, oh, is that your son playing? And I was thinking, he's going to be like, yes, and I'm so proud of him, he's amazing. Um, and he went, yeah, he's only, just, he's only just started. And I remember that moment. This is probably going back about 35 years or something. But I remember what happened in me at that very moment. I just went, I'm going to show him. Like... I am going to show him how good I can be so that he's going to be impressed with me. And um, it's weird, isn't it? The, the smallest things that actually were kind of... In, they didn't, it didn't mean anything. Like, he was... Yeah, they're throwaway lines, aren't they? Uh, there's a line in the song at the beginning where he says, like, for him it was just a, a little thing, but to him it meant something. Um, yeah, I think... What that did in me is I, it wasn't that my dad did anything wrong, because I don't think he did, but, excuse me. Um, what it did in me is it started a pathway um, where I said, um, the right way for me to live is to do this to get that. And in order for me to get that, I have to do all these things. So that's kind of where that started. Um, and uh, then when I was, uh, I was, I was kind of uh, average size as everybody else at primary school. But when I got to secondary school, I didn't really start growing until I was about 19. There's a really funny photo of me in sixth form, <laughs> which some of you have seen, where there's like um, everybody else who's like 17, 18, 17, 18. And then there's me who's 18, and it's like, whoop. <laughs> So I was the, the kind of kid that got put in lockers at school and stuff. Um, now, um, I had a big brother that kind of showed me the ropes of, like, you have to stand up to people and stuff. Um, but uh, sometimes the, the w biggest wounds that we get in life um, aren't necessarily from strangers. They're from the people that actually we kind of expect more from. Um, and uh, I was in a band when I was about 14 or 15, and it was, like, the biggest thing in my life. And uh, when you're in a band, there's some kind of camaraderie that happens you probably have it when you're in a team, like a, a dance team or maybe a work team as well. You feel this kind of connection with people and you think, like, these are my, my people, you know. 
Um, and again, I was telling Chris this story this week. Uh, I remember a sleepover when I was about 15 with all these um, lads that were like my band and we were doing this thing together. Um, and they were all, as you do when you're in your puberty years, they were all kind of talking about big and grown they were and that, and I was the little kid, and I remember them picking on me, like, when I was that age, and I remember a moment, it was like the, the dad's moment, where I was like, I am going to show them, I'm going to be better than all of them, like, and uh, because I, I didn't have the size, um, didn't necessarily have certain skills, but what that became in me was, um, what was celebrated in my life was this idea of spiritual excellence or whatever, for want of a better term, being the super Christian who knows all the stuff and does all the stuff. So how that expressed itself in my life was, although everybody called me Little Danny at the time, it was like, this is the wall that I am going to build, and this is the right way of doing it. Bang, I'm going to show them, and I'm going to be better than all of them. Um, So yeah, I, I built a wall, and the problem with walls, like we've said, is they make you feel secure sometimes. But uh, they probably need to come down if you want to grow beyond them. Um, I think I heard somebody down here say about perfection. Uh, that's the problem, isn't it? We strive for this thing of rather than just living life and going, I just accept that what my dad said was part of life. I even understand why he said it, where that came from. I'm going to be curious and explore the questions. We make these judgments and we think we have to get it right. Um, Chris sent me something really helpful this week. Uh, it was this picture. So I don't know if you can see the bit on the bottom, actually. It says, I celebrate my progress. Awareness, not perfection, is the goal. I just want you to look at that for a second and absorb what that might mean for you. I celebrate my progress. Awareness, not perfection, is the goal. The whole idea with the tree of knowledge of good and evil is it's about thinking that you can get it right and get it good. But in that whole story, God was very clear. It was like, if you eat of that, you're going to die. Actually, if you want to live, you need to embrace this whole thing of what life is about. Now, what this reminded me of when it says not perfection is a moment, another significant moment in my life, which is probably about uh, 14 years ago now. Uh, Amy and I had just got married, and I think we were coming back from Sheffield. Um, But I think a lot of the bricks in my life were suddenly I was becoming uh, aware that they weren't working for me anymore. Um, We'd had some argument about something, and um, we were driving down, I think it was the M1, and I literally pulled over on the side of the M1, got out of the car, knelt down by the side of the motorway, and I remember praying, um, I can't be perfect. And that was all I said. And then I remember bursting out laughing, like, well, yeah, you idiot. Like, why were you (laughs) trying to do that anyway? But I think from all of the those things that I'd set in place through my life as the wall I need to build, that this is who I am. Um, You realize it doesn't work, and then you're like, right, rather than trying to climb it and drive down this road I've built, why not just say, I don't need this wall. Actually, I am already enough, and everything is within me. Um, I loved being part of the show that we did this last week, and I was really grateful to Joel for... Um, for giving me a part in it as well. Um, One of the things I loved, um, we've got some of our villains up here. Each of our villains, we look great, don't we? Uh, (laughs) Each of us had a backstory. Um, And what I love about the whole thing is that um, the whole night was about understanding that when you just make a judgment on somebody, you're missing out on a 
whole part of that story. Um, now, I've given you a little window into my story this morning, but just look around this room. Every single one of you has a similar story and similar bricks um, that you have made to build the wall that has probably started to define who you are, how you live, how you interact with other people. Um, each of these guys, from Ursula to our slithery snake down here, um, Hook, Maleficent, everybody has a story. If, if I'd had my wings cut off, I'd probably have turned out like Maleficent. I was having this thought this week. You know where we, we say the phrase, um, if I were you, I wouldn't have done that. Is that true? <laughs> I think if I were you, and if I had your DNA, I had your experience, I had your upbringing, I would do exactly what you are doing. I would probably think exactly the thoughts that you are thinking. I'd probably be thinking exactly what you're thinking right now about what I'm saying right now. Um, I think that can help me have some compassion and understanding for the people that I might struggle with in life. Because often the reason we look at them and you're like, oh, why are they like that? Well, that's a good question. Maybe we need to explore that and be a little more curious before we just decide that my bricks and my wall are the way of doing it. They've got their own bricks and they've got their own wall. And maybe understanding that can actually help us see there actually doesn't need to be a wall. Actually, if we could understand there doesn't need to be in the first place, we might have a little more love for each other. So awareness, not perfection, is the goal. So how aware are you of your own origin story? And how curious are you of the story of others? Because I wonder if I'd be less judgmental of myself and others if I engaged in a little more curiosity. So uh, Joel and I were having a conversation about the show. Um, I don't know if you've done any performing on stage at all. Um, but there's this strange moment when you've learned something. Well, you know it really well. Um, and it's kind of the myelin is doing its job and the, the signals are flowing. And it gets to a point where sometimes you're on stage and your head goes somewhere else and you're calling it out-of-body experiences where your head's like, you're thinking about something completely different. Like I'm thinking, oh, I wonder how Kev's holiday was or what was, it, what was going on yesterday in the football. But, you, but your voice is going, revenge, revenge, revenge. And it's, you get these defaults. Um, I find the whole process amazing, but the muscle memory thing happens because when you repeat a process enough, it becomes a habit kind of becomes a personality, it becomes natural. You know when you look at people performing and you think, it just seems so easy. You know it's not easy. You know when some amazing violinist is shredding on this amazing solo that actually they didn't just make it up right there and then, that actually it's taken years and years and years of meticulous practice for them to get there. But it seems so easy because actually in that moment, they've done all of the hard work at that moment it's just happening. Um, so being aware of this process of myelination, about how when I'm learning something at home, like on saxophone, I experience that all the time. Like when I practice something, like I don't know this piece of music right now, but I know in about 20 minutes, once I've repeated it about 100 times, it'll, I won't even need to think about it. And it's a really, really amazing process. But because of my awareness of that, I was thinking, surely then, there's like spiritual things we can do that are practices. If I get up every day and I tell myself X, Y, and Z, then will it change me into this super person? But I think what I learned is that, again, I was approaching it from an achievement to be made, from I can get from here to here. Um, maybe the idea of spiritual growth isn't about necessarily attaining something, but it's about maybe what needs to be taken down, because actually what's underneath 
is actually the beautiful thing that we need to find. Okay. Uh, in his book, Falling Upwards, um, uh, by the way, I realized this week when we were tidying up some stuff, there's loads of books in the foyer. So you know when you go out this door and you've got the resources bit on the right, there's a glass cabinet. There's loads of books in there, that stuff that has kind of influenced our journey over the years. Um, if you're looking for something to read, then feel free to have a look at what's in there. If you want to give us a donation for it, go for it. But there's, there's great resources there. Um, anyway, Falling Upwards, the book by Richard Raw, he talks about how there's these two halves of life. And in the first half, we're striving to, for want of a better phrase, build a wall, build a life, become a, a like, successful, materialistic, uh, find the right person, make enough money, get a house, etc., etc. We're trying to climb the hill. But in the second half of life, you realize, ah, oh, that didn't really work for me. I now need to go on this different journey, which is maybe about deconstructing some of that and finding out what's the real worth underneath. Um, Chris sent me a, Chris, you've been so helpful this week. Thank you so much. Yes, half of this is what Chris has helped me with this week, by the way, so thank you. But this slide is, uh, is one that came through this week from Chris. Uh, the real glow-up a term I'd never heard before, but I'll explain in a second, is when you stop waiting to turn into some perfect version of yourself and consciously enjoy being who you are in the present. Uh, I'd never heard of this term, glow up. Has anybody else ever heard of it? Apparently, from a brief Google, it's this idea of like, almost like having a makeover so that you become this like, changed person. Um, but Chris was saying maybe the word needs to be uh, grow up. Uh, the real grow-up is when you stop waiting to turn into some perfect version of yourself and consciously enjoy being who you are in the present. What is stopping you consciously enjoying being who you are in the present? Is there something that's stopping you doing it at the moment? What is that thing? By the way, if you're thinking, it's them, <laughs> rethink. <laughs> Let's go around this again. Um, I'm not saying that actually other people can't affect our experience. They certainly can. But I think the majority of my experience of my life, I can influence that by actually how I perceive things. Um, so actually maybe growth isn't about me thinking, I'm going to nail this and get there and find out how I can put X, Y, and Z into practice so I can do it. Maybe it's about unlearning some things. Three weeks ago, Jenny spoke about the nature of truth. Um, and she spoke about how our truth, what we perceive might be our right angles again, our bricks, might not necessarily be the truth. Our version of Jesus or God or how we perceive faith and Christianity might not be the version. And she said this phrase, our version might be leading us up the garden path. Um, when I was watching the myelination video about how myelin happens, it struck me that what myelin does is it creates these pathways in our brain. Now, maybe your Jesus, your version of truth, your version of life, your version of how you perceive other people is leading you up a path that's not the path you actually want to be heading down. Um, so I have some good news about myelin. Um, the good news is your body doesn't lose the ability to create myelin. So you can teach an old dog new tricks, as we've said before here, yeah? and you can actually learn new things. Um, who used to play an instrument or have a skill and now can't remember how to? Did anybody learn something as a kid and you 
You, knew, you know there were pathways at some point, and now there aren't. Um, that's because the other good news is that myelin degrades with time. Now, you might be thinking, is that good news? Or is it not good news? Uh, maybe the reason it's good news is because if you stop reinforcing a pathway, it may eventually not become as autopilot as it is right now. Maybe we can create some new paths and some new ways. Um, now, this is the point where I just want to read something out, again, that Chris has sent me, <laughs> because it's, it's very helpful, and I think it says it better than, than I could in a lot of these ways. So um, here we go. What we call opposites are actually parts of a whole. That is why duality, this idea of black or white, is an illusion of great proportion. In other words, fast is not fast except when slow is present. Big is not big unless small is visible. Good is not good unless bad is also present. It's when we try and divide them that they become the wrong tree. When seen as one, it's the tree of life. The idea that anything can exist apart from God is the ultimate illusion. God is all there is. The body of Christ is humanity, not just a little part called the church. Divided into small revelations of God. Consciousness is the ability to look at all of humanity and see the one. And I know for some of you, your thought processes um, commonly go down the lines of, what do I need to do to connect with God? And I think we've had a lot of us, this upbringing, that taught us that there's us here, and then there's God out there sometimes, and we need to do something to connect with it. Now, you might be thinking, but you don't because Jesus did X, Y, and Z to connect it to us. Sometimes there is still, even within that narrative, an idea that, but I still need to do this or achieve this or believe this or whatever your thing is in order to get there. I think the idea that, embracing the idea that whatever you think God is or that whole energy that created the universe is not separate from me, but is flowing, how could it ever be separate from me? Like, how, how could there be a God over there but, but not in here? It's in me and it's in you. And the idea that God flows through everything actually makes me and you not as separate as we might think. It actually makes me and you one and part of the same thing. Maybe that helps us take down whatever these walls of separation are that we put up because we felt that but you hurt me and you said that thing and I thought I needed to do this. What if we took them down and saw... Actually, we're all one. We don't need to say there's you and there's me and there's us and there's them. That there's just one whole. So, to finish, are the thoughts that you have, this has been a mind bender this week, are the thoughts that you have, you, or if you can observe the thoughts that you have, are you maybe separate from them? Because the, the good news in if you're separate from them, it means you can take a thought when it comes in your head and you can say, what do I think about this? Um, there's a really cool verse. Uh, I think it was Paul that wrote it. I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. It's cool anyway. Uh, Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, the idea of Christ that we have embraced here um, is that Christ means the whole. It means the everything. Um, the reason why Jesus maybe was called the Christ is because he, he had connected to this whole. Um, so... What might it mean if we took every thought captive? So, for example, if I leave here today and think, oh, I need to go and do X, Y, and Z in order to be significant in the world, which sometimes manifests to me as, oh, if I can get the whole house tidy, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have achieved bliss. If I can 
write a song, record this, produce this. It'll be a different thing for you. It might be, oh, if only I did X, Y, and Z, whatever your thing is, then I'll get there. What if we could take that thought captive and go, let's have a little look at this. Does this brick need a little bit of reinforcing, or maybe do I need to get rid of it? Maybe I don't ship the brick. Chip it away. Maybe part of our growth is not about building something. It's maybe chipping away at those things that we just don't need anymore because actually we don't need those walls. So let's take every thought captive and just check out, is this obedient to the idea of Christ, the idea of oneness, the idea of wholeness, that we're all part of this amazing, beautiful thing? I hope that's helped. Have a nice week. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, then we would love to hear from you. Feel free to drop us an email to info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. Don't forget there are blogs and all sorts of media to be enjoyed at qyork.co.uk, which are welcome to browse at your leisure. Until next time, enjoy the quest. <laughs>